Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is Wednesday, March 15th. March Madness is here. Uh, we are sad. It's okay. We have podcasts to talk about all of it. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. Dan, how are we here on uh, the Ides of March? Actually, not in Columbus right now. I'm uh, I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Um, oh! Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I, first time seeing Duke's campus last night, uh, not gonna lie, pretty nice. Um, it's a very nice campus, but yeah, I'm currently sitting here just staring out the window of my hotel room. I I mean, I guess the timing is right. Like it kind of reminds me when we were waiting outside the final four and, uh, we were like, looking up at the Omni Hotel, and I was like, gosh, do you think Jurich is just looking down at this sea of people right now, just like in a robe, like, yes, I did all of this. Um, <laughs> we, like, we, like, laughed about it. But, like, that Jurich interview just came out from Crawford this morning, so I thought it was funny timing. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm sad just like everyone else, but we'll, we'll get through it. We will, and we have, look, it's been, what, a week and a half since the last time we did a podcast. Uh, spoiler alert, we did not win the ACC tournament. We are not playing in the NCAA tournament. But it's been just over a week since the offseason started. And we've already got, got a ton of roster reshaping. We've already got a ton of news off the court. We've got, uh, I think, a ton of speculation about who's going to be added to the roster next season. So we knew this was going to happen. There's already a ton to talk about. Uh, I'm excited to maybe excited to the wrong word, but I, I'm intrigued to see how this whole offseason plays out and, and what we can piece together as far as putting a roster together that on paper looks like it should be competitive in the ACC. See, um, so we're going to talk about all that. Word. So we'll get to all that good stuff. But we'll start with, I guess, what's happened in the eight days since Louisville lost to Boston College in the ACC tournament. We've had... Four players now officially announced that they've entered the transfer portal. Uh, the, the three true freshmen, Kamari Lands, Fabio Basili, and Devin Ree. Not I mean, Lands probably the biggest surprise there, if there is a surprise. And then yesterday we found out officially that Sidney Curry is not going to be around again. Um, any, I think Lands is probably the only one that maybe caught some people's eyes. But, but any sort of, I, I guess, sadness on your end, Dan, that we're losing – these four guys, and there, there's more to come. I think, I mean, hell, we, by the time you listen to this podcast, we may have more guys in the transfer portal. But out of, out of this quartet, what's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, they, they are just kids. Um, with that being said, um, no, 
definitely uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally fine with the roster turnover. Like, I mean, that last game of the ACC tournament, I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. Like, I mean, it was just a flat-out disaster in every way. But, like, I'm not – and I'll never cheer against Louisville. I'm not saying I did that. But it was kind of like going to the dentist. Like, it was like, Jesus, like – I hate doing this, but I just want to get it over and done with. And I know afterwards, like, things are going to be better off. You know, we took our beating um, from Boston College, and and now we're turning the page, and it it seems like we're on the right track to improving the roster. So um, I wish all those kids well. Um, But, you know, we're, we're, Kenny's doing what, you know, needs to be done in order to improve the program. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't need to talk too much about the Boston College game, but I will say, like, five minutes into it, I was like, okay, we're not going to win this game. <laughs> like, oh, like, no, I mean, nobody was, came out and looked like they cared at all. It was bad. It was uh, it was not great. I, The lack of energy was – I mean, I don't even care about, like, we know what the play is, you know, all, all season. It was lackluster, but the lack of energy was uh, very, very concerning. It was shocking to me. I mean, the fact that we, you, know, you, you can make up for four bad months in, in one week, or you can at least go out on a high note. And we came out, and we could not have given a shit less. Like, we, we were so ready for the season to be over. Uh, and, and now it is, and some of these guys are, are moving on. Um, we've, Land's maybe the only surprising, I think, member of that court set, but still, there's nothing really surprising. I do think it's strange seeing the different reactions to this news. Like everybody all season long has been like, not everybody, but a lot of people have been like, got to get these guys out of here, total roster turnover, and then you start losing people, and people are like, what the fuck, Kamari Lands, what are we doing, Fabio could have played more, it's just, you, you can't really have it both ways, um, I think also it was interesting, I went back and looked at the reaction from last year, Cindy Curry made his announcement that he was coming back to Louisville on March 30th, and I went back and I looked at, like, the people who responded to my story about it, the, the comments on Card Chronicle, the Twitter mentions, all that stuff. It was like the most celebratory piece of news for Louisville basketball in the calendar year. Like everybody's going nuts about getting this guy back for another year after the way he played down the stretch. And then you look at the 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 reactions and the mentions and, and the things that people said after he announced yesterday that he's entering the transfer portal. And it's like, get this fucking guy out of here. It's just, it's a total 180. Uh, it, it just goes to show how fickle people can be and, and how crazy this college basketball season has been. But we know that Curry's leaving that creates a opening in the front court. And we know that one guy is going to come in and, and help fill that. Dennis Evans, uh, five-star recruit out of, he was committed to Minnesota up until a couple of weeks ago, announced over the weekend, as a lot of people expected, that he is going to play his college basketball at Louisville. Seven foot one. He's a, I think, a top 15 player according to rivals. He's a little bit lower on some of the other scouting services. He's kind of all over the place. He is, according to everybody who does this for a living, like a, a generational rim protector talent. Like he is a elite shot blocker. He's very clearly the best shot blocker in this class. He's, according to some recruiting guys, the best shot blocker that's come out in a couple of recruiting classes. I think, like a lot of, teenage seven footers he's more of a work in progress on offense he also has to put some some weight on his body but he's going to give us what we didn't have last year which is a guy at the rim who can help you out if you get beat on the pick and roll he he gives you options on defending that high pick and roll you can drop down 
uh, if you want to, force teams to hit floaters, force teams to take challenge shots at the rim against a seven foot one dude. I, I don't know how much he's going to give you offensively, but this was a this is a large step, pun intended, in the right direction. It was nice to see Kenny Payne lock this guy up. One hundred percent. I mean, I think you know. Obviously, we all know what happened last off season. We don't have to rehash it. Obviously, Kenny has spoken out, and it, it, it seems like his hands was tied. You know, his hands were tied with kind of the cloud hanging over us from an allegation standpoint. So um, we said, let's give him a, a fresh off season and see what he can do. And so far, uh, I mean, he's he's checking the boxes that he needs to check. Um, it's impossible not to be excited about this kid. I do think, um, just from watching tape of him, I mean, I, I believe everyone when they say, you know, generational, you know, talent as far as shot blocking and everything like that, you know, he, his size and, and, and kind of look fit the bill for that. But I do think Kenny and, you know, the coaching staff, whether it's this coaching staff or new faces, I think their coaching um, ability is going to be put to the test here um, because he does look like someone that's going to need a lot of work from like a, you know, offensive development standpoint. Um, and even, you know, yes, I, I understand he's tall, the shot blocking, whatever, but uh, some of the highlights, like, you know, where the, the feet are a little bit slow. So I know he's not going to be out on the perimeter too much, but um, you know, Again, I'm nitpicking here. I'm very excited about this kid. Uh, I think he can turn into something special, but um, I I'm, don't think it's going to be like you know him come in and, and dominate right away. I think it's going to be more of a work in progress for him. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I think I think he does help you offensively off the bad game. And winds up being a one and done pick. Maybe I mean maybe he is, but I, that, I don't see that either. Let me say too before we move on and talk about Sky Clark and Trenton Flowers and Carter Bryant and some of these other guys. Like there is a there, there's a thing kind of happening where every time we get a little piece of good news, like we, we I run into this on the radio every single day. We'll get like texters and people who are like, "Who cares? We know the coaches can't do anything with this talent. Like we we need to win games. We got to see it. We all." We, we all are in the same boat when it comes to this. Like, like all these offseason pieces of news, all these, these players that we're going to add to the roster, it's all exciting. But if you were upset about the fact that we won, I'll say it again, four fucking games last year, and you're a little bit hesitant to just, you know, think that next season is going to be markedly better because of talent, like, I get it. I think that a lot of people are in that boat. I'm certainly in that boat. But we don't need to repeat it every single time that we have a good piece of news. Like, you, you don't have to just be like, we, we can't react to every piece of positive offseason news with, wake me up when he wins a game or wake me up when he proves he can coach. If we're going to talk about these things, we need to talk about it. You know, I think that we're all hoping that this is going to work with Kenny Payne. I think a lot of us have reservations, uh, understandably, after what happened in his first season. But. The very least we can do, I think, is is react to the news of reshaping this roster, trying to go in with an open mind. So, like, just when we talk about these things, understand that we're all kind of of the mindset of, let's see what he can do with this talent. We'll figure it out next year. We, we still have some reservations. But we we have to at least celebrate. The, we can't just poo-poo everything. Right. right. We have to at least celebrate some of the positive things. You can't say, this man needs to go out there and get some talent. 
and then be like, well, it doesn't fucking matter when he actually goes out there and gets talent. So that's I can already see this being a thing this offseason, and I get it, but it makes for boring, shitty ass conversation. If you if, if if every single time we have a positive recruiting news or a positive transfer piece of news, we're like, who cares? He's not going to do anything with them anyway. Like you have, we have to at least talk about this. So can, can I let me let's let me, talk about? I'm, go ahead. Can I can I talk fan base real quick? And this is on me. This isn't on you. I, but I, I I so we were rolling there for a while, like you know, late 2000s, early 2010s. I mean, there was nothing that could go wrong, it seemed like, in sports. And our fan base was thriving, um, obviously. And, I, you know, as far as being a UofL fan, I just was like, God, we are the best fan base ever. And I still believe that. But obviously we've hit some hard times, I would say, in like obviously the last five, six years. Um, and I think there's been, you know, and this this would probably happen to a lot of fan bases. There's been some warts that have kind of come through um, within the fan base. We're stuck in that space where you have, like you said, you named like the one fan who is like, oh, gosh, like any piece of good news, like they're just going to shit on it immediately without actually digesting, you know, what's going to happen and, and kind of breaking down what could potentially happen with any piece of good news. But then you have the other fan who basically is no matter what happens, like they don't analyze what's happening in front of them. You have like the, oh, well, look what he's doing now. I told all these people that, you know, he was, you know, Kenny Payne was going to start recruiting, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's time to shit on everyone who was saying bad things last year. And that's like totally the wrong approach. They won four games last year. Like, you are not a good fan base if you don't criticize a team that won four games. So it, it just confuses me. Like, and that, and now these people, like the same people who are doing that, are like already. It seems like they're already like, wait till you see like what we do in the tournament this year, and like wait till you know now that he's got his guys in here, like we're already like declaring like Final Four. Like, dude, we just gotta pump the brakes. Let's just like take the news as it comes, you know. We're going to hope for good things, obviously. We don't need to set expectations, like, through the roof because that's what got us in trouble last time. Um, but like you said, we also don't need to, like, shit on the fact when Kenny's doing some good things, um, you know, just because of whatever happened last year. We don't need to, you know, like you said, kind of poo-poo on that. So we need to find that happy medium. Um, you know, I think when we get back to winning, things will be different and the fan base will unite. But, geez, it, you know like the keep the same energy crowd. If I got to hear that one more time, I'm going to blow my brains out. Um, you know, know. it's, it's okay to criticize a team that won four games. Like I promise you, it doesn't mean that we, we, we dislike Kenny or anything like that. We are not being good fans. If we don't hold the program accountable and four wins was unacceptable. I'm sorry. And you can say, well, you know, Hey, they weren't his guys. It doesn't matter. Like, you're the leader of the program. You're getting paid millions of dollars. We are going to criticize you for four wins. So, I don't know. I, I hate to see it. I think losing has a big, you know, part of, in doing it. But I, I'm just excited to win and kind of bring the fan base back together the way it was. Yeah, I, I got a spoiler alert for you. This isn't changing anytime soon. Oh, this, I know. This is going to be the off season. The, yeah. the whole offseason is going to be, like, these two 
conflicting factions just butting heads constantly until we get more results next season to to react to. But I, I do think, to your point, there's a lack of a lesson learned situation here with a certain group within UofL fan, the UofL fan base. I mean, because you had that group this time a year ago is saying the only way that we can turn things around immediately is to hire Kenny Payne. He's right. going to get you five-star talent right off the bat, and we'll be in the tournament next year. And then that same group during the summer is like, you are, you don't know basketball if you think we need guards. Like, Kenny Payne's going to play like Florida State with these long guys. I mean, I got told I didn't know basketball a million times for saying that I, I didn't think that we were going to like, like be a tournament team last year, for saying that I thought we would be about the same as we were under Mike Pegues at the end of last season, a 12, 13, 14 win team. And like then it became during the season, that same group that was had all these sky expectations is like, you're an idiot. If you thought we were just going to go to the final four and you're one under Kenny Payne. And now they're like, they're right back where we were 12 exactly. months ago where it's like, everything's fine. And, and we're going, yeah, we're, we're rolling. Look at this guy. I told you, like we're thumping chest over getting, getting some recruits when we, we, you know, we need to see the results. We still need to. And then you have the other group. That's like, nothing's good. Everything's terrible. Like wake me up when he wins a game. And we just have to all kind of, I think happy medium is the right term there, but it, it's not going to happen. I don't I want see to it every turn single into, day. I don't want to turn in the, to the UK fan base and be the off season champs every year. Like, that's the last thing like I want to celebrate. Like, it, yeah, of course we can be happy when we get a recruit, but we don't have to declare that we're back. And I told you, and this is how it always is. And you know, it, right? It, you got to play the games. Like, you know, we still have it. I mean, we won four games. Like, you know, the keep the same energy crowd. Like, where was the energy last year during the actual season where you're getting our absolute ass whipped every game? So, I don't know. Like it. It's it's tough to see. It is. I, I I I have a hard time really blaming or being mad at either side. It gets annoying, especially dealing with it pretty much every day. But at the same time, like I recognize that all these extreme feelings are coming because people still care, which is yeah. nice. Like I think the concern is over the group of, of people that have become apathetic and that have just totally checked out. Like I, you see such an extreme range of emotions when it comes to this and an extreme like range of opinions when it comes to this because everybody I think is so hurt by what's happened really since the fall of 2015 and, and because I think that we all sort of got in this groove where like you said in in, in the early aughts the you know 2011 12 13 14 we kind of just assumed that it was going to be like this forever right like you know we, we'd been good for a long time Pacino wasn't going anywhere anytime soon and even if he did the program was kind of you know, it, it was too big to fail. Like we're we're going to be fine. This is going to have, and to now in this position where, look, you can get excited about what Kenny Payne's doing in recruiting. There's no like none of us know how this is going to play out. None none of us know that this is going to be okay. If you want to phrase that, I wish I could sit here and tell you, yeah, we're going to be right back in, in three four years. We're going to be competing for national titles. I, I can't guarantee that. I can't guarantee that we're not going to be the next Indiana or the next Tennessee Nebraska football. Like, I, and it's a it's a nervous spot for all of us. And I think that's why you're seeing so many people that are so so devoted to their opinions. And it's uh, it's hard for me to blame anybody because I care just as much as you guys. And 
I've got extreme opinions as well. And I'm trying to go into this year two with an open mind. I think the best thing for the program is for Kenny Payne to kill it and to be the guy. But, um, you know, like you said, four wins speaks pretty loudly. And that's all we have to go off of right now. But he's doing the best that he can. I, right. I think that look, if you're wondering like what's going on now, what, what's different with the situation in recruiting now than 12 months ago, I do think that NIL has picked up significantly. I do think that you have a group of, uh, of donors who have stepped up and who are really, really helping out this program. And I think you're already seeing the results uh, of this. And let's talk about the next guy that we're going to discuss when it comes to potential roster additions for next season, which is Sky Clark. Um, Sky Clark in town on his official visit yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, if you're not familiar, he was a commit to Kentucky until about this time a year ago when Severe Wheeler announced that he was coming back. Clark's a point guard, so Clark didn't want to play behind Wheeler, opens up his recruitment. He's pursued heavily by Louisville. He winds up committing to Illinois, earns the starting point guard job for the Illini this season at the beginning of the year, plays in 12, uh, 13 games, starts 12 of them, is very up and down, has some flashes of brilliance early in the year as they, they knock off UCLA and a couple of other teams. Um, clearly has elite-level talent. He's 6'3". He can shoot it a little bit. He can get to the rim. Um, he's very physical. But he struggled in Brad Underwood's switch-everything defense, and he really struggled with turnovers. Uh, he, he had like a above 25% turnover rate, which is insanely high. That's not great. Um, you also hear from Illinois fans, you know, he, he was a locker room cancer. He did the wrong things. He left the program in the middle of the season. Uh, he's got a bad attitude, all that stuff. And you never really know what to believe when it comes to that because every program, the fans of every program that have a guy leave in the middle of the year and they feel like abandon their team, they're going to have extreme opinions. Sometimes it's rooted in reality. A lot of times it's not. Look at Oscar Shibway at West Virginia. All their fans were saying he's going to plague your program. He goes to Kentucky. He's a fantastic teammate. He's national player of the year, all that good stuff. So you, I, I don't know how much to buy into any of that stuff. It does sound like Sky Clark is going to be a Cardinal. It does sound like he has the inside track to be your starting point guard next year. Danny, what does Sky Clark do for you? Yeah, I mean, this one, like, I, I mean, I totally get. Like, I mean, we need guards. He was a highly recruited guard. We were going after him. He committed to Kentucky and then decommitted, um, and it didn't work out at Illinois. So I'm not going to sit here, sit here and be like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm not – that excited like yeah I, I guess i could say i'm intrigued um you know I, I i do think like you said you pointed out some things that maybe are a little bit worrisome but again he was just a freshman um you know some situations just don't work out um you know but with that being said you know i, I think <laughs> i mean we need all the guard help that we can get um you know i i people that kind of jump around a little bit and again it's different nowadays like everybody transfers i get it um but you know it, it does i guess give me a little bit of hesitation um but i don't know like i honestly i haven't seen enough of his game to really you know judge one way or the other i you know if he's highly recruited you know and he's someone that wants to be here then yeah i think it's a good idea to take him um but like you said, I I think we kind of have to wait and see to, you know, see how he performs. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like I actually like Brad Underwood as a coach. So 
that's what worries me a little bit is that it didn't work out under him. Um, and like you said, we saw our defense last year. We saw how atrocious it was. Um, you know, I'm not going to nitpick about like what kind of guards we need because I want, you know, just guards regardless. But um, it, it would be if I had a preference, like, it would be nice to have like a ball hawking guard who can guard, you know, 90 feet. But um, the kid's talented for sure. And we'll see if it plays out here. Yeah, I, I like Brett Underwood a little bit too. I do think he's insane. So yeah, so do I. I agree. When you, when you've got reports of like Sky Clark butted heads with uh, Underwood, it'd be different if he had butted heads with Tony Bennett and it was a cancer in the Virginia locker room and was thrown off the team or left the team in the middle of the year at a program like Virginia. When it's Illinois, I think that you're you're kind of like yeah, maybe there was something to it. Maybe it wasn't entirely on his end. Maybe the the coaching staff was to blame, and he can be a better fit here at Louisville. I I mean, it, it does. I think we do have to mention Illinois got better when Sky Clark left the team. Um, they were nine and five when he announced that he was taking a leave on January sixth. They promptly reeled off four wins. They ended up becoming an NCAA tournament. They probably weren't an NCAA tournament team when Clark was there. I know they had some good wins early in the season but they also had some some nasty losses, and they weren't playing particularly well when he announced that he was going to leave. I, I think this is kind of like the Amani Bates situation, where to me, the potential reward outweighs the potential risk. If he comes in and he's you know, not a great teammate or he's careless with the ball, you, you can bench him, or he can go somewhere else. If he comes in and he shows that... I mean, at one point in time, John Calipari thought that this was his next big freshman point guard stud. This was the guy that he was going to hand the keys to. He thought he was that good. And he did earn the starting point guard job at a place like Illinois, which has produced some big-time guards over the last few years. So there's clearly talent there. There's clearly a high upside. It comes down to the coaching staff being able to get that out of him. And we didn't see the coaching staff get the most out of their talent in year one. Hopefully it was more about the kids than it was with the coaches. And this will be a, a nice case study. But like you said, we need a massive influx of talent in the backcourt. If nothing else, he provides a chance to have that more depth there. Um, I, I, I do think that he's going to come here. It sounds like that's almost a foregone conclusion. I'm all for taking him and seeing how it works out. And I'm excited about it. I, I think that he has a chance to be to be very good. I, I think let, let, can, me ask, let me ask you, you can see the question. potential in some of those clips. Go ahead. I, and I know I'm putting you on the spot. Um, and you may not have an answer off the top of your head. Can you think of like a college player? Cause like, I mean, he didn't play for Kentucky, but he had committed to him and then went to Illinois and that didn't work out. Like, is there a player from college in your head that kind of bounced around a little bit that like ended up producing at like a very high level that you can think of? Cause to me, I just can't think of a ton off the top of my head that like, you know, kind of switched up where they're going. And, and I, again, he didn't even play at Kentucky, so I'm not saying he falls into that. But um, I'm just trying to think of someone who kind of, you know, was associated with, you know, three programs in their first two years that ended up having, you know, a lot of success. Well, shit, I mean, in this day and age, it's like everybody. Because everybody's yeah. leaving. You look at the, you know, the, the rosters of all the best teams, and you've got a lot of guys that have bounced around a little bit. I think... You know, when Baylor won the national title uh, a couple of years ago, four of their five starters were, were transfers. So I, th- I think that you, I mean, Sheepway's a, a transfer who's killing, who killed it at Kentucky. Um, you know, you've got 
I mean, I, what I think two of the first team All Americans this season are transfers. I, I get what you're saying as far as guys that have bounced around at multiple different programs. That wouldn't be Sky Clark. I mean, he would just be moving yeah. one time. But I mean, Kendrick da- Kendrick Davis from Memphis is a guy who was good at SMU for a few years and now has really stepped up and uh, been fantastic for them. I think about him off the top of my head. Like, I think it can happen. I think that in this day and age. It wouldn't be a shock to me to see him come in and be a really good player and put to bed any of the talk about him being a locker room cancer or whatever you want to say. But I, I understand the reservations. So I, I will say, I'll say one thing real maybe, quick. Maybe he was the problem. We just don't know. We, we, we won't, and we won't know until the season starts. It does seem like Kenny has made a direct point um, that we are we are trying to go big, um, just from like. You know who's he, who he's recruiting. You know the Flowers kid, this kid, Dennis. So it, it, it does seem like he wants a very long team on the court. Um, from from everything that I'm seeing from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, I mean he's he's wanted. He's gone after big guards so far. We've seen that. Sky Clark is. I mean he's six three, but he is he's brawny. He's physical. Uh, he can. I think he can guard. If you get switched on to a bigger player, he can guard that player effectively. And then, yeah, we, we're going after a lot of wings. There's no question about that. And we'll talk about two of them now. Trenton Flowers, you mentioned, who is a 2024 kid. He's the guy that we've really prioritized for a while now. He's going to announce his college decision Friday at 530. At this point, I'd be surprised if it's not Louisville. It certainly sounds like all the momentum is headed in that direction. Um. There's some talk that he could potentially reclassify and be a member of next year's team, which would be great. I think that he could significantly help you out there. And then there's also Carter Bryant, five-star kid from the 2024 class, who announced uh, earlier this week, I guess technically his father announced this week, that he's down to two schools, Louisville and Arizona. And he is, you know, like he's a bona fide five-star. There's no, he's five-star on rivals, but a four-star on 24-7. He's a top five overall player in this class. Uh, coming out of California, he is a fantastic talent. He's a legit one and done threat. If you can land him, all of a sudden, I think you start really feeling good about the momentum that's going on in recruiting. But I do think you get Flowers. I do think you get Clark. I think when Bryant does commit, it's going to wind up being to us. Uh, at least as, that's the way it seems right now. Dan, there's some some real positive momentum out there. Right. He again, if nothing else, Kenny Payne is doing what we asked him to do, which was give us a tangible piece of evidence, something to point to, and say. This is why I feel optimistic about the future. It's happening on the recruiting trail now. A hundred percent. And like, we have to, like, if we're going to shit on him for losing those games last year and him not recruiting, like we totally have to give him his flowers for producing when now he says, Hey, the clouds off, you know, the recruiting allegations are done and I'm able to do what I'm capable of doing. And he's showing us right now. Um, Flowers, obviously, like, of course, I'd be excited about that kid. But, oh, my God, Carter Bryant. I mean, his highlight tape, I was like, I mean, we don't get these kind of kids very often. He looks like the real deal. Like, as much as I I think Dennis Evans can can grow into something, um, like we said, that, that might take a little bit of time. Uh, Carter Bryant, he, he, I mean, this kid looks like a bona fide stud, um, from his, from his high school tape. So if we're able to land him, um, I mean, that's just a test again, that's a testament to Kenny and his relationships. And, um, I think that's one of the reasons Josh really wanted him here. 
the fact that we won four games and these are the type of kids that a are committing and b that we're in play for um you know I, I i'd say right now they are proving themselves right um you know as far as all the talk about them not being able to recruit last year i'd say uh they that's a bona fide argument that they have you know after seeing what they're doing right now yeah I, i'm definitely excited about what's happening can i my big concern right now th- this is the the scenario that scares me right now is that we reshape the roster we bring in the other name that we haven't mentioned yet is th- there's a lot of buzz about davion mcknight the western kentucky transfer who i think a lot of people expect to join louisville at some point in the near future so you're looking at a roster right now we know that I don't say we know, but J.D. Trainer has been tweeting out like pictures of him in Louisville stuff. I think he's coming back. I feel good about Mike James coming back. I think Emmanuel Okorafor is coming back. That's three guys. I think Brandon Huntley-Adfield probably comes back. I'm not sure there. And I think that's probably it. So you got four, four guys there. You're bringing in Curtis Williams. You're bringing in Caleb Glenn. You're bringing in Karan Davis. Can't forget about Karan Davis. You're bringing in um, Dennis Evans now. You're, you're bringing in potentially Trenton Flowers as a reclass. That still leaves you with four spots. If, if we're saying that, that Davion McKnight's going to get one of them, that's 10. You still, I think, if you're going to be NCAA tournament good next year, which is where I think the bar should be for year two of a coach at Louisville, you're going to have to get some big time grad, not grad transfer, but immediately eligible transfer guards. Like, that's the way of the world. Every team that is competing at the highest level of college basketball right now has gone out and bettered themselves in the portal the offseason. You, you've got to find guys who immediately can come in and who have college experience, who can put the ball in the back in the bucket, and who can, can handle it a little bit. We've got to bolster the backcourt. And my concern is if we don't do that well enough, you're going to have a year next year where you're better. It's impossible to be worse, don't get me wrong. But you win like, I don't know, 15 games. We, we, we go 15 and 16. We never really flirt with making the tournament. And – Everybody's like, well, it's 11 games better than last year, and look at 2024 class and all this stuff, and we're still kind of unsure if this guy can really coach, if this guy can can win a national title, because again, that should be the goal. Like, I don't want to be in limbo. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna be kind of bad next year, just be really bad, and, and yeah. you know, have have our answer. Or if we're gonna be really good, that's the best case scenario. Go to the tournament next year, have some even bigger talent waiting in the wings, bring some guys back from that roster. But my concern is that we're just playing this sort of Scott Satterfield limbo game. Exactly. It's like, do we just hang on for the recruits? Yeah. You you literally took the words out of my mouth. I was like, we're in the Scott Satterfield zone, potentially. Um, but no, I mean, obviously we've seen it. Transfers are a must. Um you know, it's it's hard to. I mean, it really is. Like, I mean, there was not a lot of impact freshmen this year. Um, you know, it, it's hard to make that jump from high school to college nowadays because you have kids that are, you know, transferring over the place, but they're sticking around longer in college than they did before. Um, and it's just harder to make that transition from being a senior in high school to to being an impact freshman. So, I think transfers are crucial. Um, you know, but again, it, I'm not going to criticize them right now. It's still early. I mean, we've seen how many kids have hit the portal like already, and it's only been a couple of days. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like once the tournament ends. So my guess is, is, is they've got their eyes on some kids 
Um, I'm going to trust that, you know, Kenny has his connections and he kind of already has, you know, an ear out for who is thinking about transferring. So we'll let that play out. Um, but like you said, I think it's an absolute must if we want to, you know, at least contend to, to make the tournament next year. It does comfort me that they're reaching out to transfers already. Like I saw that the, uh, I think his name's Sean Conway from, from VMI has been contacted by Louisville. I think the buzz around Davion McKnight is real. I'm sure they've reached out to some other guys, but you've like you've got to kill it in the portal. There's no way to the NCAA tournament. There's no route. There's no path that doesn't include getting a big influx of talent via the transfer portal for next season. It's just it's the way of the world now. I mentioned Memphis. I mean, Penny Hardaway gets that job at Memphis a couple of years ago. All the talk is about James Wiseman and the four and five star talent that he's bringing out of the city and you know, these young freshman players and they kind of suck in his, in his first couple of years. This is his best team. I think they're a live shot to win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. And his three best players are all transfers. They're all kids that spent you know, three, four years in college at other programs before coming to Memphis. Like it's, that's the way of the world now. Like you absolutely, you have to do it if you want to be competitive in college basketball right now. And I, I think that that's, we're going to be, we're going to have to see if Kenny Payne can get it done because, we didn't get it done last year. We need to get it done this year. Let's make some plays. Um, I don't really have any parting thoughts on, on all of this. It is wild how how much has happened already in eight days. It feels like our season has been over for three weeks. What it basically has for like three months. But like it, it just it, it's it's still crazy to me. We're sitting here on the the eve of the first day of the NCAA tournament in earnest, and you know we're already in full off-season mode. It sucks, but here's hoping this is the last part that we have to go through this. Uh, yeah, it's, 100%. It's, it's, not, it's like, not a it's, fun spot to be in. Dan. It's crazy. Like, the tournament hasn't started, and the amount of turnover on the roster is, you know, again, that's this is what we wanted, so I'm not saying anything bad, but it's just, it's, it's crazy how much has happened already. So, um, I, I, right now, I mean, no kudos on the season, but kudos to the staff of what they've done since the season ended. Yeah, at least we have some hope uh, forming now, which is, look, Andy Dufresne said it, hope's a good thing, maybe the best of things. It could get us through this offseason, and we can stop talking about four wins, I guess, uh, hopefully. All right, we asked you guys for some questions. You guys delivered as you always do. We'll answer some of these, and then uh, I've got a, a Mike in the Mud story, and then we can get some Dan in the Dumps going. Um, I got Cards Fan 922 says, honestly, how much more talented will next year's team be than this year's talent, uh, this year's team, based on the guys already coming and going? I, I think that we're, we're certainly looking at a roster that on paper is going to be more talented. The big question to me, if we're talking about can they be not just competitive in the ACC, but potentially in the NCAA tournament mix, is who we're going to add in the transfer portal. I think like we're going to get Evans. We're going to get Clark. We've got Evans. We're going to get Clark. We're going to get Flowers. We'll see if he can reclass. I don't have any insight there as to how likely that is. It would shock me if we don't have a roster that at least on paper is more talented than last year's. And that's it's a solid first step in this long journey out of this deep hole that we've dug ourselves into. But I think that you're going to look at this roster and say, yeah, like, if the if these guys can coach, if the, if the, the culture can work, and if the system can work, um, they should be markedly better than they were a year ago. I, mean, I, I don't think that that's asking too much. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's we're going to see 
Um, I, I don't want to say potentially by the end of next year, but we're going to see in the next one to two years, you know, was Kenny's first team actually talented and we just didn't know how to develop or were they obviously not talented? And now we got guys in there who are talented and, you know, this is what the coaching staff can actually, you know, do with talented kids. So I guess that question, uh, like you said, I, I would venture to guess that it's going to be significantly more talented um, but it, it, it's, you know, it's still up to the coaching staff, uh, to develop that. I think I also, like, I'm curious to see with the players now that he's trying to get in here, we need to see like if this system can work with Kenny Payne and also kind of what the system is. Like, I, I was gonna say, there's what still is some significant system? questions. I, I mean, like, I still don't know exactly what we want to do defensively. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, like, how do we want to defend a high ball screen? Do we want to drop? Do we want to ice it? Do we want to fight through screens? Do we want to switch everything? Like we did not defend anything consistently last season. And I still don't really know what Kenny Payne's defensive identity is. And that's all we know is that in his first year, we had one of the worst defensive teams in the history of major conference college basketball and you know, getting Evans, getting some more athletic players, getting some guys who should be better defenders should at the very least give us an insight as to how Payne wants to play because we watched 32 games this season and I still don't really know what his identity is, like, like, like what yeah. we're trying to do on def- defense and offense. And if nothing else, next season is going to show us that. So That, that, that is um, one thing that I was very disappointed in in the first year under Kenny. Cause, and I'm not comparing him to Rick or anything like that, but like – Rick, you knew immediately, like, yes, we didn't make the tournament, but you knew his style. He's going to dog the guards up and down the court for 40 minutes. He's going to switch defenses, um, you know, things of that nature. Chris Mack, whether you like it or not, like, you know, he had the pack line. You you obviously knew that he had an identity and a way that he wanted to play. Like we, like you said, we went a whole year under Kenny, and I I still don't know. Like I'm like, so what's the plan here? Like, are we gonna play zone next year? Like I have no idea. So um, I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that he has to like put his foot down and be like, this is the only way we're gonna play. Like I just want to kind of you know, hopefully by a couple games into the season, you know, for this team to have some sort of identity and for kids to have like a role. Um, and and for them to know their role versus last year where it was helter-skelter the entire year. Yeah, same. Uh, I think we still have some of the same questions that we had this time 12 months ago, and that shouldn't be the case, but we'll start to get those answers next season. And if we don't, then, look, it's going to be a two-year tenure here. There's no question about it. Uh, Robert says, will the state gambling bill ever pass or will the Senate Republicans continue to screw the state over? Uh, I, saw, I, I think that as we say this, I believe I've seen that the sports gambling bill did pass out of the committee in, in Senate. And now if it passes today in the full Senate, it'll become legal. So there's the answer to the question is yes. Eventually it's going to pass, whether it's today or sometime down the line, which is great. Like we're, we're eventually going to get with the times and get out of the Stone Ages and into the sports gambling world, which is a great thing. I mean, you look around the other states, which, which I think every single surrounding state but one has legalized sports gambling, and you see the numbers of money that they're pulling in. And uh, Kentucky not exactly flush with cash these days, so maybe it's time to start getting some of that uh, that, that sweet gambling money. 
I'll tell you, maybe some I, weed money at some point. But I'll yeah, tell it's you gonna happen. Don- I'll, yeah, I'll tell you who's donating to that fund. Me. Um, it uh, it has not been a uh, <laughs> a nice start to the Ohio legal gambling um, season. <laughs> uh, L. Ellis. Uh, over under 16 and a half. Uh, I took the over. Um, He landed on 16 points. I was not thrilled about that. And then whatever money I had left in my account, I I took Xavier plus two in the Big East Championship against Marquette. And I looked up and they were down 26 to six. So um, yeah, that's what I have have going for me. So um, enjoy it, Kentucky. It's a fun ride. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> um, Keys Norton says, um, what's the more troubling fact? The football game, the football team won more than twice as many games as the basketball team, or that we lost to every ACC team by 10 or more, or that we haven't beaten DePaul this decade? Well, first of all, the football team won exactly twice as many games. So it wasn't more than. Let, let's, give, let's give some respect to the, the 2022 2023 cards. Um, not being DePaul this decade is embarrassing for sure. I think we've only played them that one time. I'll go with losing to every ACC team by 10 plus because, you know, we won two conference games, but we also lost to both those teams, uh, but by 10 plus. I was concerned, Dan, for a while there that we were going to get every coach who who lost to us this season fired. Stansberry got the axe at Western. Um, Pastner, our prince, is, is gone at Georgia Tech, but Clemson announced on Monday they're keeping Brad Brownell, so it doesn't matter. Like, like we at least at least one coach that we beat has another year. I was surprised. Like, uh, first off, I agree with your answer, but I was surprised when I saw that uh, the tweet was put out that Brownell was staying. Like, Clemson fans are like, "Oh, I really like this guy. I think he can coach. Like, he just has trouble recruiting." I was like, you know, hey, if he wants to stick around, that's fine with me. Um, you know, I. I I don't mind him being there. It's like the one program that, you know, as bad as we are, I, I, I still never fear. Um, they're, they're, they're uh, yeah. I mean, for them not to get into the tournament after kind of the way they started the season, uh, you know, that would, that would be tough after kind of the tenure he's had for, for a program to keep him around, but I guess they still believe in him. Look, they're the first ACC team in conference history to have a winning percentage above 700 and get left out of the tournament. And they're the first ACC team ever to get a double buy in the conference tournament and get left out of the NCAA tournament. We did that. Like that, yeah. that's all us. We beat them by 10. We kept them out of the NCAA tournament. If nothing else, that was our impact on the sport this year. We fucked Clemson over. So suck our dicks, Clemson. We, we own you. We, uh, <laughs> We did this. Look at us. Look at us. We yeah. did this to you. Did we said that when we played um, the first time? Me and you both were like, you know, all right, yeah, like we lost to at Clemson by twelve, and we both were like, I don't care. This team still sucks. Um, and hey, it's nice to be right. Yeah. Travis uh, Wimsett says on the morning of October thirtieth, would twenty eight and four or four and twenty eight have been a more believable upcoming regular season record? That's a good question. Um, I, I know that I said on this podcast that I thought that we were going to be like 12, 13, 14 wins like, like good this year. I thought we were going to finish in the bottom five of the ACC. People were very upset with that prediction. 
So I guess like I should think that I, I was more along the 4 and 28 lines. But I think I, I'm trying to put myself in that October 30th mindset. I think I would have leaned towards 28 and 4. I think I would have hoped that you know Kenny Payne was just you know a savant and he was the next big thing in coaching and I was undervaluing our talent and this was all Chris Mack's fault. I think I would have leaned 28 and 4, but man that's it would have been tough. I, I I did not think last season was going to go well, but I certainly didn't think that it was going to be four and twenty eight bad. It's still I still can't really wrap my mind around the fact that we just watched Louisville win four games in four months. It's like what date was Louisville madness? Do we have the exact date on that? I think uh I think when I saw the dunk contest, <laughs> I was like, hmm. I was like, maybe maybe we don't have a ton of talent here. Um but yeah, I don't know. That that is a good question. I like I'm not like patting myself on the back by saying this, but I would probably lean towards four and twenty eight more than twenty eight and four. Um I don't know, like just from the way the roster was constructed. Um, but still, I mean like that's I would never in a mat, you know, in a million years would have thought four and twenty eight. I don't think we talked enough about how Brandon Huntley Hadfield not clearing Jack Harlow and winning the dunk contest <laughs> was a sign of things to come. Like, I he, mean, the whole... He, he like, just I dunked mean, on yeah. him. He, he didn't dunk over him. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, as much as we have some cleaning up in the recruiting trail and on the court next season, like, I think we got to kind of, you know, clean... And I, I, again, I, it's a it's a well-run event. Um, you know, I... From from the highlights I saw, I think things got a little hectic during Louisville Madness next year. So we're just throwing out year one totally, and we're going into year two with a clean slate, guys. Um, Dom says, what's more satisfying, farting on a plane through first class on your way to coach or being a major factor in knocking, knocking Clemson out of the NCAA tournament? I'll go with knocking Clemson out of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Great question. I mean, we only get the best questions here on the pod, but uh, yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll say um, knocking Clemson out. That that always feels good. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Brian Norris says, if, if you could bring back any Louisville restaurant that shut down, which one would it be and why? Uh, give me the Westport Road Gaddyland. I love it. I miss it. Oh, what an answer. That's such a good answer. Um, God, do you remember Flaky Jakes? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was, like, on Hurstburn Lane, where, like, Skyline is now. Like, I-, I moved here from Chicago in, like, 91, and I want to say Flaky Jakes was there for, like, two years. Um, dude, that place was dynamite. I don't know what happened to that place. I'm gonna have to give it a Google search, but um, yeah, I mean, get Gaddy Town on Westport that that would be tough to top, but um, yeah, if, if I'm going for a different answer, give me Flaky Jakes. Oh, Flaky Jakes, who could forget, <laughs> who could forget Flaky Jakes? Um, <laughs> Cards Forever says. What's the best behind-the-scenes Rick Pitino story that you know? I don't think I can tell any of them. Um, maybe the – it's either the Derek character story or the Earl Clark first practice. I'll tell the Earl Clark one because it's shorter. But apparently at Earl Clark's first practice, they were doing like a box-out drill. 
and he like he was refusing to block out. Like he wasn't listening to anything that the coaches were saying. He was just like doing his own thing. And like Patino finally just got in his ass and was like, or, like, oh, like what the fuck are you doing? And he was like in his Earl voice, E five ain't got a box out. E five just skies over his man to get the rebound. And Rick was like, okay, Earl. <laughs> he goes, he's like, okay, E five. If you talk to Earl, let Earl know that he needs to fucking box out or he's going to be on the bench for this entire fucking season. Okay, E5, do you got that? Like, just straight shitting on him. It was a wonderful story. There were lots of great Earl Clark stories from that year. But that one, that, that's a great Patino story for sure. Um, let's see. Um, Keaton says, scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that Sky Clark commits? Um a nine. I think that it's, it's it's basically a done deal at this point. Uh, J- Jab says, Jab Crawford says, my biggest problem with our team this year wasn't the lack of a true point guard and poor roster construction, but the incredibly poor effort level that we played with all season. Will getting new players alone fix that issue? One, I totally agree with you. I think that's, that was my biggest concern and, and my biggest issue as well. Two, if it doesn't, then we're not going to get a third year of Kenny Payne. Agree, Dan? Yeah, I mean, that's the million-dollar question that I think all the fan base has. Like, was it the kids or was it the lack of motivation from the staff? So um, it was obvious the effort level wasn't where it needed to be. Um, but, you know, we'll see in year two if if it was a product of coaching or if it was a product of, you know, just the kids being checked out. All right, uh, Zach Fisher asked, does a team of Ellis, Anton Gill, Angel Nunez, Josh Chichester, and Mott's coached by Scott Satterfield win, win more than four games? I mean, I'm almost afraid to answer that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, I mean I, I still, I'm still an Anton believer. Um, uh, I, I, for whatever reason, he was like one guy. I was like, kind of wish he would have played a little bit more. He could get hot. But um, I would say probably, probably the under there. But um, I think it would be closer than the experts think. Uh, I'm going with no. I don't. I don't, I don't think it happens. But <laughs> too short of a bench. Uh, our guy Chris Atfield says, "Who would win a game of horse between Tycon Dean and Jerry Smith?" I'm going. I'm going Tyquan better shooter more range i love jerry to death but i'm give me taekwon you literally took my exact answer like i'm almost i don't even want to say it out loud because i love jerry so much um i just can't get like jerry god freshman jerry now now we're, we're we're talking a different story freshman jerry was so automatic um but man taekwon was just so consistent um so i'm gonna go with taekwon uh, Carito says, did you get your No Limit chain yet, Mike? I have not. Have not gotten the, the chain from, from Master P yet. Nor, nor have I. I have no, not, have not. Dan hasn't gotten it either. Uh, Pearl Jam is talking about what's the deal with Rick Pitino. Um, I think that it's like 95% that Pitino is going to be the St. John's coach. The one caveat that I'll say, like, if you're a St. John's person, you're, you were really rooting for Iona to lose in the MAC tournament last week. Because I think that there's, I think there's one sequence of events that could lead to Patino not being the coach of St. John's next year. If Ed Cooley takes the job at Georgetown and Providence opens up, I think there's a small chance that Patino could 
you know, want to end it at the place where he first came to prominence and, and go back to, pro- to, to Providence for the, the end of his career. I still think that if that, even if Cooley takes the Georgetown job, which I don't think he will, I think that Patino is more likely to go to St. John's. The AD now at St. John's is, it used to be at Providence. He's a big Rick fan. It's why there's a difference in opinion now than back in 2018, the last time that Patino was kind of talked about as potentially the St. John's job. But regardless, there's a 99.9% chance that he's coaching in the Big East next year and that I will cry real tears whenever that becomes official. It's going it's to be tough for me to handle, Dan. I mean, Rick's interview the other day, like, this is why I miss him so much. Like, it was just an all-time, like, basically, like, they're like, I mean, any other coach, like, if they asked about, like, hey, like, the St. John's job's open, like, and your name's been speculated with it, they'd be like, oh, I got a game to concentrate on. Like, Rick basically was like, yeah, I'm leaving. (laughs) It was unbelievable. I mean, I laughed my ass off. Um, He's like, like, I don't don't have been to St. John's campus in 30 years. He's like going to this whole thing. I'm like, just say yes. I'm I'm watching him talk about this question that could have been handled in five seconds for seven minutes. And I'm just like, God damn it. I miss him so much. Oh, it was so good, man. Jeez. Yeah. Like that part, like, you know, I, of course we want Kenny to improve on the court. And I, you know, I hope that does, but no matter what he does, like we'll, we'll never get the sound bites. My God. They're, like the press conferences were just absolute must watches. Um, I miss those days. I was, so I was texting with one of his, his actual, his nephews. I shot to Willie, former Louisville video coordinator. I was talking about when they were playing the MAC tournament, just talking about Iona. I'd watched the game in the semifinals, and he responded with, "My uncle compared Noah Thomason to James Harden this morning," and I was just <laughs> fucking dying laughing. <laughs> oh God, I will never forget as long as I live on one of his post game radio shows when he compared a young Jared Swapshire to Scottie Pippen. Louisville 2013 says, what was the first movie you saw that you knew you weren't allowed to see, and how old were you? Um, I, feel, I feel like you're going to have, like, I mean, I feel like your parents were, were, I mean, God, we love Virginia, but I feel like you were probably able to get away with more at a younger age than I was. Yeah, my parents were pretty pretty loose. Like, there, there wasn't a whole lot that I, I feel like I wasn't, like, they... There weren't like really strict rules. I wasn't. We didn't grow up in that house where it was like you can't watch a mini, any movie that has an R rating. Um, so besides like porn, I felt like I was pretty in the clear. Um, I do remember watching Scream at a friend's house, and that, Scream was like kind of the taboo movie when we were in fifth grade or so. Yeah. And I do remember, like that was the first one where I watched. I'm like, oh shit! Like we're we're really doing something here. Uh, but I, besides that, I can't really. I don't have like a standout memory there. The first one that, like, was kind of extreme with violence, I remember, like, seeing was Con Air. Um, but, like, if we're talking, like, I really shouldn't be watching this movies. Our eighth grade trip, we went to Chicago, and, like, we got HBO in the hotel, and we turned it on, and Wild Things was on. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Wild Things, let's just say... I went from an eighth grader to a high school boy real quick. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was something. Do you remember, were you on the, I know we played baseball together on our AAU team. You were on the team one year. Was Were you on the team when we were, got caught watching Varsity Blues? With the... uh, I, I think that was the, I, I had left that year. Okay. Um, so we were watching one of the parent chaperones was, was Billy, our friend Jim, his dad, Bill Anderson. Is we're like all in the hotel room that he's staying in. We're watching Varsity Blues, and his wife, who was also on this trip, 
walks in right during the whipped cream bikini scene. <laughs> and he's like, he's got this like kind of North Carolina twang, and he's like, well, I'm fucking divorced. It's over. It's 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 all over now. Because she just like walks in and immediately is like, guys, please turn this off. And it was it was a wonderful memory. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of. Chris Collier says, "Fuck Mary Kill, Josh Pastner, Teddy Dupay, and the Louisville River Frogs." Well, <laughs> I'm marrying the River Frogs. No, I'm I'm fucking the River Frogs. I'm marrying Pastner. He's very supportive. He's he's very upbeat. I'm killing Teddy Dupay. He ruined our. He, he gave us an exhibition loss. I can't. I can't. I can't get with that. You literally took the words out of my. I mean, like honestly, if there's anyone out there that has like a throwback, you know, River Frogs jersey that they're looking to get rid of, I mean, one of the best, like, coolest logos of all time. Um, God, if Louisville ever got an NHL franchise, which, like, by the way, Atlanta might be getting one, which is just god-awful. Like, nobody wants the NHL in Atlanta. But, well, they already had one. They had the Thrashers. Yeah, and there was it was a joke. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, God, I mean, the Louisville River Frogs, I mean, that, that would be an absolute hit um, if for whatever reason the NHL came here. I've got a River Frogs t-shirt. I treasure it. I value it. I love it. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Let's see. Last question here. We, we got to wrap this up. We've been talking for a long time. Michael Zimmer says, "If you could bring back any player for next from your lifetime to join next year's team to help guide out this mess, who would it be and why?" Uh, I mean, it's gonna be a guard. Probably Peyton Siva. I think he's leadership, um, run the show, defense. That's who I'd go with. Man, I, I'm gonna say. I mean, uh, that's not a bad answer, by the way. Like, national champion, obviously. I'm going to go with Preston. Okay. Um, just because, like, dude, we need some dogs, man. Like, yeah. we need some fucking people that will get in your ass and, like, get on the team. And, I mean, geez, Montrez might be a good one as well. But um, I think we're, <laughs> I think we got a lot of bigs. Um, but, yeah, Preston for me, I, I, I just loved everything about him. And, I think he would he would do wonders for this team. I can see that. I, I like that answer. Um, it, it has been. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast where you're seeing a lot of you know former players are voicing their support for the program and you know, they're, they're kind of getting mad at people who are being critical. There are a lot of former players who I think are also being critical. They're just not voicing it. Um, I could tell you like my my phone and my DMs, and it, it's the the ones who I who've reached out to me who've been the most like this is unacceptable are the ones who kind of have that, that Preston Knowles mindset hasn't been Preston himself, but like people, you know, thick dogs in the, in the last 15 years on this team. And a lot of them have been kind of reaching out and being like, this is, this we hasn't changed. We haven't talked about this real quick. And I, we, I mean, honestly, I think we, you know, for, for winning four games, we've done an awful lot of praising for Kenny on this podcast so far. How bizarre was the press conference at, after the loss like i i had no idea like where that came from um like you just won four games i don't know i i just thought some of the answers were very uh it was very brazen for a guy that that just came off a four win season and and to follow that up do you see any changes possibly with the coaching staff i know kenny said why would you ask that but um i mean are we really just gonna run it back yeah, I mean, we would if we'd done a podcast last week. I think a lot of it would have been yeah. devoted to that press conference. I know I kind of 
raged about it on the radio the day after, and it was like three. It was a three-hour bitch fest pretty much on the show, which is not abnormal for this season. I think. I mean, I don't want. I don't really want to get into the whole press conference again because it's yeah. old news at this point. But I, it was odd for sure that he would not expect those questions at the end of a four and twenty-eight season and not have a like prepared answer. You'd think that somebody would know that it's coming and, and would have something prepared to say, which, I mean, all he has to do is say, clearly 4-28 and 28 at a program like this is unacceptable. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll, all options are on the table. We're looking at things moving forward. Like, he could have used that answer to either one of those questions that he got handled instead of like, I think that's a bad question. Everything's fine. We did a great job this year, which is it's not what you want to hear when you're 4-28. and 28. As far as staff changes, I mean, based on his answer and based on kind of the, the mood of the program, my assumption is that he's not going to, to make a move unless it's – I think if there are moves made, it's going to be people leaving on their own accord. I mean, Danny Manning has kind of looked miserable this season. So if, if he wanted to go somewhere else and try to set himself up for another head coaching job, that wouldn't shock me. Josh Jameson, I don't know. Like, like, I've got no no insight there as far as whether he would want to move or whether they would want to move him somewhere else. I do feel like Nolan Smith's the one guy that is going to be sort of attached to the hip with Kenny Payne. If they have success here, if they don't have success here, it's going to be done together. I don't. I would be shocked if he went somewhere else, but I can't answer that question. It's. I mean, the moves haven't been made imminent. Like, like there hasn't. We, we're eight days into this, and there's been no buzz, and there's been no movement. So my assumption is that we are going to kind of run it back and have the same staff, but we'll find out, I guess, pretty soon. That I'm. I'm just saying out loud. Me personally. That scare that that scares me a little. Same, bit. same. Um, I think I think you need to coming off a four win season. I mean, you know, I'm not saying you have to overhaul. I mean, they are overhauling the roster, but I mean, you gotta you gotta shake some things up there. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I think that's the that's the general statement of that's the theme of our podcast. Is I don't know. We'll see. That, that's yeah. that's where we are. I feel like I say that like fifty times on the radio too. Like where I'm just like, oh, who? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but right now it doesn't. None of it looks good. But who knows? We'll find out. I I've got a Mike in the mud story. I don't know if you have a Dan in the dumps. Yeah, my only Dan in the dumps is I've lost two set of AirPods in the last two weeks. I'm about to blow my brains out. Jesus, um, Dan. I know. Uh, it, just both freak things. But anyways, go ahead. Let's hear your Mike in the. All right, if you listened to the, the radio show yesterday, then this is a repeat, but I enjoyed this, so I'm, I'm going to tell it again. So about once a week, at least once a week, I stop by the, the Paul's that's right next to our radio station. We eat a lot of turkey in, in our house. Mary has it for lunch every day. The kids eat, eat turkey. So I always stop. Mary's like, can you get turkey? I always stop into Paul's, and then I, I get a couple of other things while I'm there too. So I did this on Monday. I'm checking out, and Paul's has this thing like a lot of grocery stores do where they have, like, they'll set up, like, kind of candy or sweet treats right by the checkout register. They call them, like, impulse buys. So they try to get you to have, like, a last second, like, oh, yeah, that candy bar looks good. I'll buy that. Throw it in with my other stuff. Like, it's a normal thing. So they've got this rack. They usually have, like, some cookies. They've got some, like, invariably I end up always grabbing something there. But on Monday they had these new things. They've got these, they're called... They're chocolate ding dongs. They're called Dream Dongs, and it's <laughs> it's intentional. Like this company, it's a local company, and they're doing this thing where they're kind of doing the the SNL sweaty balls thing, where they're they're laying the entendre on thick. They have happy balls. They've got Dream Dongs, 
And I think the website is happyballs.com if you want to check out all their candy. But so I'm looking at this. I'm laughing. I send a picture to Trevor, my producer. I'm just like making like the D minus shitty joke where it's like, oh, I found your, your dream snack, these dream dongs. And um, I look at them and I'm like, this actually looks really good. So I'm going to grab one. So I grab one. I throw it in with my other stuff. I check out. I pay. I'm walking out the door. And I'm thinking, I'm like, the price that she charged me sounds like really high. I, I need to look at this. So I look at the receipt. She's charged me for, for eight of these things instead of just one. And it's like 35 extra dollars. So I'm like, you know, if it were one or two extra, whatever, I just probably eat it. I got I need to get home, but I, I can't do this. So I've got to go back in. So I go in there, go back to the register and have to tell this teenage girl who's checking me. out, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I only got one dream dong. <laughs> you charged me for eight dream dongs. Can this get fixed? And, She's like, she can't figure out what's going on. She's, she's like, how many dream dongs did you get? I'm like, just the one dream dong. You charged me for eight dream dongs. She's trying. She's like, oh yeah, I was, I, I was trying to, to manually type in your ice cream and I accidentally messed this up. She can't get it figured out. So she has to call. She's like, Caitlin, can you come over here? Another like 17 year old girl who's like, <laughs> comes over to help out. And she's like, he only wanted one dream dong. <laughs> I charged him for eight dream dogs. I'm sitting there. There's like a line of people waiting to check out. I'm sitting there mortified. I'm like, I should have just taken the $40 extra charge and left here. They're like, how many dream? And then she finally, she's like, can you, can I see the dream dog? I swear to God, this happened. <laughs> I've got to get it out of the bag. I got to whip it out, whip out the dream dog and hand it over to her. And cause she's got to like scan the, the QR code in the back there. And the whole, it finally gets figured out. I've, I'm mortified. The whole thing is so embarrassing, but that was my <laughs> that was my mic. So I'm telling the story on the radio on Monday, within the or on Tuesday, after the first break, the owner of this candy company has emailed me, being like, people are are texting me about this. Would you like some free samples? So it had a happy ending. It, it all worked out, and I ate it last night. It's delicious. Dream dogs are fantastic. I mean, so many puns there. I'm glad I had a quote unquote happy ending. <laughs> um, the, dude, the if if she said, like, "Can I see the dream dog?" and you would have asked, "Like, how old are you?" I think I would have fallen out of the chair. <laughs> Can I see um, some ID, please? Yeah. Um, oh my god, that's such a good one, man. Jeez, Miss, yeah, I am married. That's like an SNL skit right there. Miss, I am married. Uh, yeah. you, can, you know, it was it was it was bad, but it was it all ended happily. Check out happyballs.com, I believe is the website. For all your local candy needs. All right, we've talked long enough. We've got to get out of here. We fixed some technical difficulties. Apologies for the lag in the first half of the podcast. Uh, it's all good. Dan, uh, we'll do this again soon, hopefully next week. Maybe we can talk some NCAA tournament. Enjoy the madness if that's your thing. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Leave us a review. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Go Cards. Go Lady Cards. Let's go. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.